Hi, welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. Today, I am speaking with Annette Maria about empowering and liberating feminine energy, specifically after sexual trauma and the power of bhakti yoga. Annette is a feminine embodiment coach, intuitive facilitator of healing. Uh, she says she's a channel for multidimensional beings. She's also a published author, host of her podcast, Sacred Dance, and she's a bhakti yogi. Her work supports women to step into their soul's purpose, reclaim their inner goddess, and manifest their deepest desires. Before we get started, I want to thank Her Story Speaks for sponsoring this podcast for the entire month of March. If you've not yet listened to Her Story Speaks, uh, head over there as soon as you finish this episode because you'll hear my own personal journey. You'll hear other stories of fantastic, amazing, strong women. And I've got some other episodes up there that I recorded with Andrea, who's the host. So um, thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. So Annette, um, today we're talking about childhood trauma and specifically how we heal from sexual trauma. And so for listeners uh, who have been waiting to hear from you, uh, if you could just kind of at first, just tell everybody who you are and where you're located and all of that. Yeah. So my name is Annette. I'm living in New Jersey in Lake Pakong. I, hmm, who am I, right? That's such a loaded question. I always like to say I am nothing. I am just a soul, but that's a pretty asshole remark. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So I am a purpose embodiment coach, helping women step into their life's purpose through regaining their inner goddess and co-creating the life they desire. So really coming back to the sovereign center that we are. And no matter what's happened to us, no matter where we've been, what we've gone through, we have the ability to change that. We don't have to remain that person who was suffering. So, Oh, I love that. I love that. So as listeners know, I experienced my own kind of childhood trauma, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and parental abandonment. Mm. And all of that led me outside of my body and coping with various things in a lot of ways, just trying to fill that void and, and heal myself and protect myself. And you and I have talked off air, and I know that you've got some experience with some of the same things. And so if you could share as much as you feel comfortable around that issue or that subject of childhood trauma and and specifically sexual abuse, if you will. Yeah. So hmm, where do I begin? Right. So my childhood trauma, I, I grew up in a household of Polish immigrants, right? Amazing, hardworking people, but they didn't understand the emotional aspect of life still struggled to understand the emotional aspect of a being. So I experienced a lot of emotional neglect, a lot of, you know, feeling like I was just had to figure everything out on my own, no matter how hard I was suffering, I had to pick myself up even as, you know, I remember struggling with eating disorder not, I didn't fully go. I never fully went to the polar, to the, you know, the extreme of having a disorder or this or that, because something in me knew I had to save myself. Like I, I couldn't let myself kind of derail fully, if that makes sense. There was like just this inner knowing, like my soul was like, no, 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 no. 
you got to come back. And it was coming into that in touch nature within me. So I always knew I had to hold myself. And with my sexual trauma, I actually didn't know what happened until years later. I was, you know, when I first lost my virginity, it was through rape. And I, again, I didn't know it was rape until years later. And I think that's something that no one really talks about with trauma, that it's pretty gray yeah. sometimes. And that people think, oh, it's black and white. Oh, I have PTSD from this or, you know, it's not always like that. And that's, I think, what makes it hard for the healing because we question ourselves in believing if it's true. Right. So when I first heard from Lena Dunham, she's an actress. I first heard her explain a story of, she was telling her coworkers about how she, you know, had a night out with a guy and this happened and the other. And she was kind of laughing about how it was like a drunken encounter. And everyone was like, no, that's not actually a funny story. That was actually rape. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, shit. I don't know if I can curse, but I said, oh, no. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was curse. like, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that happened to me. You know, yeah. years later, I think it was three years after the fact, I was completely blacked out, didn't remember. I came to towards the end. I remember asking, can I just go home? Like, it was like, I didn't know what happened until mm-hmm. after, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that was my first time having sex. So, yeah, it kind of set me off on this journey of not catering to my body, not treating it like a temple, just kind of letting myself sleep with whatever, do who do whatever, mm-hmm. just, you know, continuing the cycle of blacking out, yeah. drinking heavily, just being in this world. And it was deemed as, oh, you're in college. So it's, you're just young, you can do those things. But actually, it was really that's not about being in college. It's about you're struggling. Right. And I wasn't struggling from just that rape experience. I was struggling from, cause I didn't know it really even happened. Right. It didn't ever click in me until after, I think after I graduated or towards the end of that. So it didn't click again for like three years after. And then once I moved back home from school, you know, I was removed from where I experienced a lot of trauma as a kid, having to have it all together to then going to school and just not having it all together and just being completely exploratory and just whatever, right? Free, I thought, but really I was just still struggling heavily. Mm-hmm. And I started getting these dreamlike memories of someone near to me sexually touching me, abusing me when I was a child. And I would be like, oh, what is that? Like, that's a dream. Can't, that cannot be real. Right. And I just kept telling myself, that's a dream that can't be real. And it took me years to even tell someone else. And the reason that I knew it wasn't a dream was because when I was around this person, my body would contract. I wouldn't be able, I would feel unsafe and I'd be like, what's going on? Like, I was like, maybe that's not, maybe that's not a dream. But then I was like, but how is this? How could this be? I don't actually remember. 
So it was this cycle of questioning yeah. myself, shaming myself, saying, well, how, how can that happen? How could that person do that? Right. Someone that we loved now was like a monster yeah. to me. And it took me like two years almost to even just tell my boyfriend, like, Hey, this is what happened. And mm-hmm. it feels weird even saying it because I don't fully remember. And, you know, it took a lot to even tell the man closest to me, you know, right. the one I trusted more than anything else. And that was how it all came back in. It was just me realizing and then an event happened that made me really something really clicked in me and was like, no, 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 this was real. Mm-hmm. And it just, again, I had foggy memories, foggy. Um, the, the brain was foggy, but the body remembered. The body right? always remember. Yes. Mm-hmm. The body remembered the body. Yeah. I started just crying. I was just in this state of just full on purging and crying. And I would, just be like, what is going on? But my body was just remembering that this happened and it was able to remember because I was finally safe, you know, in my reality to dive into this for it to kind of come to surface. Yeah. And like, who knows what else will come up. Right. (laughs) Um, everything that you speak about, there's so many thoughts I have about it. First it's, it's the, you guys, I, I, I listened to when Solange Knowles, I don't know if you've heard the song Cranes in the Sky. No. Please listen as soon as we get done with this podcast. I will. <laughs> it's called Cranes in the Sky by Solange. And, and so she talked about that she tried to drink it away and, and, and she, she sexed it away and she, she did all of these things and Nothing helped. And I listened to that song over and over and over initially when it was released a few years ago, because that was my life for a long time. So when, when I hear you say, you know, I was with this person, I did all these things and I party, that's kind of sometimes our process and and how we, in a weird way, protect ourselves. Oh yeah. It's, it's like, we're literally taking ourselves if we're partying, if we're drinking, if we're having sex with, you know, different people. Whatever we're doing, sleeping it away, eating it away, or restricting food. All of it. All of it. Any extreme. <laughs> any extreme. It, that's sometimes our way of just taking ourselves away from the pain in that moment. Yeah. Certain pain. Not knowing that we're also hurting ourselves in other ways, but <laughs> but but it is a form of protection. And when I think about the statistics of sexual assault and rape those statistics are just, you can't even take them seriously because there's so much that happened that isn't reported. that isn't remembered. Like mine. Yeah. Right. And, and years later, right. Yeah. Years later. And, and then I had this experience when the me too movement was really hot and it was all Mm -hmm. the things were in the news and all of these abusers were being outed. These perpetrators, these predators are being outed certain memories came and I guess I'm kind of glad that they came later because had they come years ago Mm, yeah it may have been a different reality for me so so much of what you've said already um it resonates I wanted to ask um so you had this moment where you you tell your boyfriend hey this is what's happening or this is what happened and certainly we know that in healing journeys, 
It's a process. Yeah. At that point, when you think about, I guess, specifically healing, uh, were you already in therapy? Did you ever go to therapy for it once the memory started coming or did you share it with other people? What was that, that like for you? Mm, so I've always just been kind of this like self-help spiritual woman since I, I came to yoga and all the, the, those types of things when I was in eighth grade. So I've had all this kind of in the background of like knowing certain things, right? So having my, my like yoga, my spirituality really saved me. I think if I didn't have that, I don't know what I would have done. Um, but once I spoke with him, it took me I started going to therapy, but it wasn't for this. I started going to therapy for something else because I was like self-sabotaging relationships. And I was just like, why do I keep doing this? And, you know, and but it took me a while to ask for help because I thought I had to do it all on my own, right? I was stuck in this like vortex of I'll help myself. I'll help myself. I've helped myself my whole life. I can figure this out, right? And the weight, it just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And then at one point I just, I broke. I had like the worst year of my life where I got fired from my job, like straight out of college. I had massive anxiety just take over me. And, um, you know, I couldn't even go out into public. I couldn't probably even speak to you because I was just always like this, like frantic, anxiety ball because I had so much still pent up in me. Mm -hmm. So it was through using the body as a tool. And I, I still, at that point, I was still just helping myself. I didn't, I didn't get outside help until other than like my teachers, like my yoga teachers and people like that around me until probably two years ago, two and a half years ago that I finally like had, now I have like a whole team of coaches, healers, you know, mentors, this, that, but the journey for me was feeling safe again in the body. That was like my next step. I was able to voice it. And then I had to release things through the body. So I started to shake because I didn't know what else to do. And I heard a girl, her name is yoga girl on Instagram, Rachel Brayton. And she would talk about like shaking and how it helped her release anxiety. And I was like, maybe I should try that. But I was so pent up that even the fact of like opening my arms out standing didn't even feel safe. Like I only felt safe laying down against a chair. Like I only felt safe if something was behind me. So the idea of moving freely was a concept that was beyond me. And so it was through the shaking, the releasing, learning how to guide myself in those ways to express the emotions that have been trying to come through me for years. Um, that was really the first step. And then I dove into more energy healing mm-hmm. and working on the energetics. And then it kind of continued on. And then I, you know, worked with therapists and mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. So I want to get into your work, but I, I have one question before we get into that. When you talk about like getting back into your body, connecting back into your body, a lot of women that I know personally, a lot of my clients 
um, and even me for a, a period of my, of my life dealt with when we talk about being disconnected from the body, being able to perform the act of sex, but not really being present in the room, mm. disassociating, going somewhere else because that's safe. Yeah. If I exit this moment and just, you know, let, let me just get through it. Just, you know, <laughs> I'll do the thing that I know to do because I'm, I'm used to that, but, um, but I'm not really here. I'm not really feeling it. And so a lot of women that I work with have a low libido or, or just no libido, no sexual interest. And it, uh, for them, it stemmed from early sexual trauma. Was there ever a period in your life, uh, you know, where you dealt with that or was that ever your experience? And, and, and sometimes, you know, it, each woman is different and, and that's not their experience, but, um, with people that you've worked with or even yourself, has, has that been anything that you've dealt with? The low libido? Yeah. No, <laughs> I actually have a pretty high libido. And I think I was just always like a very sexual person. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, yeah, that was just always kind of how I was. Um, but it took me a while to, to be able to be my own best lover, right? To not have to be like, oh, I'm so upset that he doesn't want to have sex today. Like, I'll just sit here, you know? <laughs> yes. My healing journey was actually to be my own best lover, to not have to hide self-pleasuring, to not have to hide all those things. And that for me was the the catalyst, right. Mm. For, um, reclaiming my sexuality was being like, I remember one time running to my boyfriend and be like, babe, I just figured out how to have like a G spot orgasm. Like, and I was just like, this is the best day ever, Mm -hmm. but I have a safe container in my relationship where I can do that. Right. Um, so, but also a big part for me too, was I lost, you know, I lost my virginity through rape. So I reclaimed my virginity spoke up. I built the boundary in my relationship that, Hey, I don't want to have sex until I have my next period, which I thought was going to be two weeks, by the way, it was not two weeks. Um, I don't want to have sex until I get my next period. I just want to like have time to heal, to connect, to not have to feel like I have to like, you know, open up because she doesn't want to anymore. Right. And, you know, he's just so supportive. I'm so grateful to have like a man like him. I never thought it would be possible to say, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. No big deal. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I understand the struggle that there might be to not have that type of partner. But yeah. um, so I thought it was going to take two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. I thought I felt my period was coming this, that my period didn't come for almost 80 days, I think it was because she just shut down shop. She was like, you are done. It was so long. We were like, I was like, should I cut this short? I was like, <laughs> a little long. I was like, I don't know if I can handle it. Right. Um, but it was the best. It was the best thing I ever did. Cause then I was able to, you know, I lost my virginity in 2021 and right. I'm happy to say that, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter what's happened before. I was able to reclaim it in a loving way. I remember I was crying after I was like, that was so beautiful. <laughs> you know, I love that. Um, and we have that choice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Choice. I'm taking notes. So first of all, I have to go back because you said 
being your own best lover. And that just sounds so freaking sexy. Oh, it is. (laughs) Yes. So for anybody out there, to me, that really is at the root. When we talk about the healing journey, that's one of the major steps is being your own best lover and figuring out what pleases you, Mm. what feels good to you. Yeah. Um, Because if you can do that on your own (laughs) and and within yourself, then it makes it that much better for your partner. If you have a partner. Absolutely. Yeah. And to bring them into that, that, that awareness and, and it feels safer and, and just, there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. And there's also, I think less pressure. Yes. There's less like, yeah, there's just less pressure because, you know, sex doesn't always have to lead to orgasm, right? Sex could just be for pleasure. And it, (laughs) it, I think we put the pressure and I did too for so long. Like, Oh, I didn't orgasm. Like, can you fin? like, why should I expect him to finish me? Like, why can't I take care of that? Right. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I think it was just a major pressure lifted off. Like, and that's also like, in partnership, sometimes, you know, I have this expectation. We have to have sex X amount of times because that means we're a happy couple. But taking even that pressure off lately, I've took that pressure off too. Like we just because we have sex X amount of times doesn't make, doesn't mean anything, right? It just means what's right for us. So it's about taking those external things like bit by bit and just peeling away the layers of like, well, I don't want that in my reality. I don't want that in my reality. Yeah. Um, once I got reconnected back with, with myself and my own needs and everything, I heard someone and, and it was a podcast that I was listening to and they were talking about sex and they said, your orgasms are your responsibility. Yeah. So if we take the pressure out of, out of the bedroom, um, it just make then there's fun, then there's yeah. ease, you know there's relaxation and and I'm not expecting this person to make me orgasm or come or whatever word we want to use. I don't yeah. even know if that's appropriate, but um, but, but <laughs> so so then um, but you can you can orgasm anytime you feel like you need that release. That's Absolutely. okay, um, and appropriate, and hopefully you can have that um, that trusted relationship with your partner yeah. where that person does not always have to be involved in the process. Yeah. So anyhow. And it is pretty, I mean, to be honest, it is pretty awkward to be like, all right, I'm going to go self-pleasure. Like sometimes it is awkward, right. you know, right. but it's about, or it's sometimes like, oh, well, I'm like secretly doing it. Like still like I'm a little kid, but it's, yeah. It's just about, you know, creating this dialogue with one another. And also, I think once we change the way that we're programmed around like sex and making, having to make them, having them to have to make us orgasm, does that make sense? (laughs) Um, That helps them reprogram the pressure that they're, they have been put on, you know, whether, you know, if you're with a man or if with another woman that releases that pressure of like, oh, I need to make 
her come or, you know, yeah. like it kind of. Yeah. Can pick it out of the room. Yeah. Throw That's it, it out. That's it. Uh, and sex is such a, a taboo topic. And so uh, I was telling you before we started recording, you know, having these women in my life, um, whether it's in my practice or in my personal life, who have just not been able to, to talk about sex, to be sexual. Mm. It's, it's this really hidden thing, you know, it just, you just keep it in the bedroom, you turn the lights out and, and it is what it is. Mm. Um, in your own life and in your own work, was that ever an issue where you were around people that were a bit more conservative in that regard or, um, or have you always been allowed to kind of be free and find yourself? Um, in my personal life, I've always been, I've always been able to be free. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty young, right? So I never really had like, ex, ex, you know, long amounts of time where I was like hidden. I was just always kind of this like free bird, mm-hmm. but it wasn't always in a healthy way. Right. Sure. Um or it wasn't always for me. Like I was like this free bird, but, or just doing whatever for the person rather than for myself. So shifting that to making it not all about me, but to shift it to, you know, include myself in the encounter. Um, With some of the women I work with, I mean, there's a lot of disconnection from their feminine, whether it's with sex or in general, just in life, their feminine side, their creative side, their fluids, you know, their ability to kind of enjoy life. There's a major disconnection because we're conditioned in the society to disconnect from our feminine and to be overly masculine, which means to do too much to kind of burn out, you know, to put everyone else before us. So, our society operates, I call it like the unilluminated masculine. It's not, and it's not like a bad thing, right? We learn from that. That part is just another aspect, but we can't stay in there forever. And we have, and that's, I think what's causing a lot of the problems and the pain and the suffering that women are experiencing and, you know, internally and as well as a collective, right? Yeah. Like Mother Earth is a perfect example. We don't honor our planet, which is the mother, which is the yeah. feminine. So how can we expect to honor our own feminine? You just, right. it starts inside. You can't help the planet without helping your own fertile being, whether you're fertile or not. But like, yeah. you know, I get you know it. What I mean, it is an internal process. And so I want to talk to you more about your work as a, a feminine embodiment coach. Uh, could you discuss how you help women? First of all, how you got into that field and 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 then how you assist women with yoga and, and their own sexual trauma, as much as you want to share about that. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've always been in the healing arts of some form. You know, I went to school for fashion and I realized, oh, wrong idea. Um, I designed wallpaper for a year, but throughout that time... <laughs> Throughout that time, I was teaching yoga, right? So I was always, it was always there. So knowing that that was part of my path was kind of in my mind since like eighth grade, honestly, from when I first embarked on it. So what yoga teaches us is that, you know, we are not just this physical body. We are a soul encapsulated in this physical body. So about connecting to the soul, connecting to that aliveness inside of us. 
So that was always kind of woven in. I was a massage therapist at some point um, before COVID. And then I decided I actually don't want to do this anymore. Um, But throughout all that time, I worked with a lot of women and men, but worked with a lot of women and they had all these pains and all these issues. But I was always curious about what's going on in the mind. What's going on with your energy? Like, yes. All right. Your hip hurts, but why we've been working on this hip for a year. It should not still be hurting right on a physiological level. There's energy behind it all. Our fascia holds trauma and every, you know, emotions or issues live in our tissues as I forget who says that, but people, someone has said that, not me, but issues live in our tissues. Right. So I was always curious, what else is there? So then that's when I started to kind of weave in the coaching and the embodiment work. So using the physical body, like somatic healing to express the emotions that have been pent up and built up in the being. So we do that, but not just to release, but to be able to live the life that we deeply have desired, the life that maybe we have dreamed of, or the life that we haven't even let ourselves dream of because of all the shit that's happened, right? Because we think we, we're kind of stuck. Our future is already predicted, but we have the choice to change it. Our bodies, our minds are so powerful for, so when we make that decision, when we remove the programmings of needing to be this or needing to do that, we are able to change and shape shift our reality. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to live it out in the way that's the most joyful. So how we connect back to the feminine is, you know, most of my clients are usually in the overly masculine side because that's where I was. And that's usually who I tend to attract. And so you could also be overly feminine and just be kind of floating around all the time and no structure. But I usually work with people that have too much structure and not enough expression in their reality. Oh, that that resonates with me. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So how we start is, you know, the feminine, she wants to be felt and expressed, right? So we we work with um, work with an amazing Yoni Steam woman. Her name, she has a company called Sacred Lotus Yoni Steam. And she's all about Yoni Steam, which is vaginal steaming, um, Yoni eggs, which are these like little um, kind of like Kegel eggs, and then crystal wands. So those are also a beautiful like de-armoring technique to remove tension in the vagina and also could be used for sexual pleasure. So we use custom herbs that she has crafted for the work that we do to connect you with your vagina. Cause I know sometimes even touching our vagina could feel like I can't do that. Like I know I felt for myself even uncomfortable to touch myself at one point, And I realized like, Oh wow. I always use something else. Mm-hmm. I always use a toy, something, but I never use my hand. Why is that? Right. And I realized, oh, because I think I'm gross. So, you know, it's all those programmings that I had to and remove. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to tell you to like, to just touch yourself. And that's not what I do anyway. We don't, I just want you to connect to your sexual area in some form. So yoni steaming is a beautiful, gentle way because it's, it's just steam and it's not, you're not going to burn yourself if you do it properly and all those things that some people have shared and it's really beneficial has been used for centuries. So, um, Yoni steaming is a great tool. 
to connect back without physically touching. And then also moving the body, right? The feminine, if you think about, because masculine and feminine are the foundation of our reality. So inside and outside, they're just, it's like the yin and the yang. It makes up everything. Mm -hmm. So the masculine is like the container, right? It's like this, the square that I have. And then the feminine is what flows inside of the container. It's the fluidity. It's the structure. So we need to allow there to be fluidity in our life. Mm -hmm. And I think dancing and moving is the most accessible way. And if you feel weird, uncomfortable about dancing, dance more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) be weirder, get more uncomfortable. And really just, it could just start with circling your hips while you're brushing your teeth, right? Creating this fluid motion because in our reality, we're always going forward. We're always in this like very linear fashion. We open car doors, we drive, we sit, we're very masculine. The femme, our bodies, they're able to open and move and to do weird things with the legs, right? You can explore your body through dance. So that's a big tool that we use as embodiment work is movement medicine to really come back into the body in those ways. So for anybody that is listening, uh, when Annette is talking about body movement on her Instagram, which we're going to provide the, you know, all of her information, I want you to go and follow her there. She's showing you in her videos exactly what that looks like. Yeah. It might be hard to understand through. Yeah. So, so she's, so go to her Instagram, follow her and she's showing you how she moves her body uh, just to kind of give you an example of how to just connect back with yourself. I wanted to go back to your work with being a yoga instructor and working with your clients. Is there a specific kind of, of yoga that, that is useful, you know, in, in your work? Mm. So I no longer really teach asana, which is like the physical body posture, which is like when we think of yoga mm-hmm. that um, I did before. It's just, I don't teach it that much because now I focus more on the, so bhakti yoga is the lineage that I follow. And bhakti yoga is all about devotion. And a big part of that is chanting. Okay. And this for me this is might feel really weird, especially if you don't like your voice, you don't think you're a singer, you know, all those things that you might start thinking like, what is that? You know? Um, but you know, our, our vocal vocal box and a space in our vagina, I don't know exactly what, but we resemble the same like opening. Mm-hmm. I think it's the vulva and our vocal cords. They look the same. So, and it's all connected by one fascial plane. So when we work on our voice, when we work on using our vibration, we work on relaxing the the pelvis, the vagina. We work on relaxing the, that area and, you know, releasing the tension because it could be pent up. So when we use our voice, we are then able to feel more powerful. We are able to, you know, find enjoyment. When was the last time you just sang for fun without worrying about how things were? And we use mantras, which are um, ancient Sanskrit vibrational language. So it's a vibrational language. So it's something that's felt. Um, It has a translation, but it's something that's felt. And yes, we work with different deities and gods and goddesses, but you don't have to so much believe in it all to have it 
work, right? Mm -hmm. There's just simple mantras for peace and things like that and health and happiness. And you can even dive deeper with other gods and goddesses. And it's just an exploration Mm -hmm. of devotion and your connection to the divine, whatever you want to call that higher power. It's unique for everyone. So we focus a lot on the devotional aspect because when we can devote ourselves to our life, to our heart, we can also open ourselves up to our spiritual hearts and that we're not alone, that we have a safety net that's always around us. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, so we're going to, I guess I've got one, just one other question and then we're going to transition. Uh, for anybody that wants to work with you or follow you or just get more information on, on what you're doing and what you're talking about and just uh, this whole feminine embodiment, um, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at Annette Maria. We'll have everything in the show notes, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. um, you can also find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called the Shakti Rising Collective. I also have a podcast called The Sacred Dance. Um, you can connect with me on Insight Timer, the free meditation app, and you can have some free meditations with me. <laughs> there is a beautiful wild woman activation in there. Um, she's <laughs> Tasha's writing it down. <laughs> um, yeah, and then my website, it's going through a rebuild, but it'll be out soon. Uh, it's activationsbyanet.com. And yeah, you can also email me at hello at activations by Annette if you just want to talk <laughs> straight away. Perfect. I got really excited when you said insight timer because I started meditating recently, like within the last 30 or 45 days. Mm, beautiful. And so I'm always looking for things that relate to my own personal issues of, you know, womanhood you know, freedom. And I'm always looking for something that just relates to some kind of healing or just all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to look you up up there. I can't wait. Um, Yeah. And it's all, that's all free, right? So anyone has access to that meditation doesn't have to be the scary monster. It's accessible for everyone. And I highly recommend it for everyone. Absolutely. So I've got some fun questions before we go. Uh, The first one is, when you want to dance, when you want to move your body, even outside of your work, when you just want to turn on some good music and just, just go, what's, what's on your playlist? What do you listen to? Mm, My playlist is very diverse. So we have a range from Krishna Das, which is a Kirtan chanter. Um, And then we go to a lot of like chill beats. There's this um, group human experience or East forest or soul rising. They have just these like really earthy beats that resonate. And then it sometimes rages into, you know, Tupac and Jai rule. Like we really have the scope. So yeah, I love the range. I love that. <laughs> and when you, who or what makes, makes you laugh when you want to laugh, who does that for you? My boyfriend makes me laugh. We have laughing meditation. Sometimes we just both start laughing and eventually you're really laughing, but at first you're kind of fake laughing. Um, But also my niece, she just, she's the best. (laughs) She just kills me. Okay. And who or what inspires you? 
Mm. Women like you that are stepping into their power and sharing their voice, honestly, the more of that, the the more the younger generation can yeah. see that. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. Well, that is, that's it. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, Absolutely. I just can't wait for this to air. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I look forward to maybe connecting in other ways in the future. So we'll talk. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me for today's podcast. And please make sure that you visit me at TashaHunterAuthor.com or you can find me always at Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. While you are at it, please, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating or a review. Uh, Also share this podcast with others and I will see you all next time.